the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with a guest that I, I've just had like butterflies in my stomach over the week thinking about this this time together. Um, we have a, a very knowledgeable uh, leader in the clinical world, Jasmine Alexander, who is a psych- psychotherapist, registered clinical counselor, registered professional counselor, a Canadian certified counselor, and a registrant with the Canadian College of Professional professional uh, counselors and psychotherapists. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her her bio here or read a little more of her bio in a second. But she's a an expert in a in a um, in a new approach that has come on the scene called the emotive cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, and this is really rational, emotive, cognitive behavioral therapy is a is a is an approach that is really coming up and be very relevant in the in this in the area of of healing human trafficking survivors of human trafficking and others that have faced a great deal of trauma. And so I'm super excited to have Jasmine uh, on the show. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. Thank you, Vanessa, and good morning to you. And thank you for having me on the show. It's an absolute pleasure and honor. Absolutely. Well, I wanted the listening audience to hear a little bit about, you know, one thing that I've learned in sales uh, over the years is that, uh, you know, you, you, you learn some of the most important lessons in your life by just taking the time to um, to speak with uh, people I- that are sitting next to you, that are nearby you. And that's also um, for all of you listeners that, you know, uh, want to share what God has done in your life. That's a great thing to take notice of as well. Uh, the people that are near you, that are sitting near you, that are standing near you, that are doing life with you. And um, I had the great pleasure of sitting next to Jasmine on an airplane. Uh, I don't remember where 
we were coming from and where we were going to. But I remember us striking up a little conversation and you shared with me uh, that you were going to a conference. Um, I think it was a DID training or an EMDR training that you were going to do. And of course, my curiosity was very peaked and uh, we started to talk about some of our clients, our Love Never Fails clients. And it was just a just a breath of fresh air. And um, I was so grateful to um, learn a ton just sitting next to you. So thank you for that. And then you you agreed to come on the show. So um, such a just I I feel like divine providence there and sitting next to you and 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 bumping into you and hearing uh, about the great work that you're doing, Jasmine. Thank you, Vanessa. And yes, your memory is correct, is that we were I was flying down into Oakland uh, to finish up um, my training in EMDR. Um, So EMDR is one of the therapies that I specialize in. It stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a therapy that's been around for more than a quarter of a century developed by Dr. Francine Shapiro. And it is um, one of the best therapies uh, for the use and treatment of individuals struggling with trauma. Um, And so EMDR is something that I specialize in in my private practice. um, And I am just finishing up my work uh, to become an EMDR approved trainer. And so that's exactly what I was heading down to Oakland for. And you were being trained by Dr. Andrew Leeds, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Dr. Andrew Leeds is a world-renowned EMDR therapist and pioneer um, uh, in EMDR therapy. He was one of, um, you know, uh, the first individuals that was trained by Dr. Francine Shapiro back in the early 90s. Um, And uh, he was the, I think he was part of the second round of trainees uh, with Dr. Shapiro. So um, he really is um, a pioneer in the work um, and has carried out her legacy um, for many, many years now. And it is an absolute honor and blessing that um, I have been trained by him um, and that I have continued to consult with him over uh, the last decade. Um, And then I'm going to be bringing um, his training model uh, into Canada. Yes. That's what was so exciting to me, too, is that you're from Canada. And I have some friends that um, I'm really um, just love. Uh, Phil Lee is one of them, um, who is a Canadian. And um, I've been, you know, to Canada a couple of times, just love it there. And so here I was on a plane next to Jasmine from Canada, who has her private practice in Canada, who was flying to Oakland to do EMDR. And uh, there we connected. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I want the, so first, before we get into, cause I want the listening audience to understand what EMDR is. It's being used in jails and juvenile halls and, um, in, in, um, environments, you know, government facilities, if you will, where people have experienced a great deal of trauma. We're starting to use it in the, in the area of human trafficking. There are some programs that I'm aware of, um, that have really focused on this, this technique and seen some great results. And I want the listening audience to know what it is and how it works. Um, and, um, and, and but before we do that, I want them to know a little bit about you, Jasmine. And so I, I see in your bio that you have silver Persian cats. Wow. And you enjoy traveling, exercising and you're outdoorsy girl. And and so you've got this life that you're doing um, and, 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 and in, in, in embodies helping people clinically and 
how did you get started in this and why why this Jasmine you know that's such an interesting question um, and I really do believe that it was a uh, divine intervention uh, that uh, put me into uh, this career that I'm in um, and so without not uh, getting into too too much detail because it'll take up the entire hour um, I had uh, completed my Bachelor of Arts degree at the University of British Columbia and I did a double major in psychology and in English language and psychology is always something that has uh, intrigued me, something that I've always been drawn to, um, you know, trying to understand what makes people tick, uh, what makes, um, you know, people behave in the way that they do. And so from there, after I graduated, um, began working with children um, in the school district who have disabilities. Um, and through a series of events, met a number of different people and um, was uh, motivated to go back and, and complete my master's degree. Um, and so there was um, the Master of Counseling Psychology program, um, you know, that uh, was offered to me and I applied uh, for it and was accepted. <clears throat> and while I was in the program, again, had met a number of individuals, um, and it is those individuals that I met um, that uh, put me into this um, position of uh, specializing in trauma um, and being able to expand my understanding of um, how to treat individuals, as specifically um, treating individuals who are traumatized. And what so many people don't know is that um, more often than not, we are very wounded individuals and and most of us I would argue um, are in fact traumatized and we don't even know it mm. uh, because trauma is so insidious um, you know many people think the word trauma refers to um, you know really horrific events like being involved in wars and uh, you know horrific car accidents natural disasters um, you know being uh, experiencing uh, horrific child abuse um, or, you know, being assaulted. But that's not often the case is that, you know, we have had a, a multitude of upsetting incidences that have occurred in our life. And many of these incidents are, in fact, uh, would be considered trauma. Yeah. Um, so that is essentially the brief version of, um, you know, what uh, landed me uh, in this position and uh, certainly what has brought me uh, to specialize as a trauma therapist. Yes. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, one of the things that um, I I want to talk about a little bit more is this thing, like you said, trauma. You just kind of flip the script on people that are listening. Um, I um, I think I shared with you, I may have been in the midst of writing my book, uh, Fight for Love, which is a 12 steps uh, a small group study guide. Uh, for survivors of abuse, domestic violence, and human trafficking. And I've been doing a small group with a group of 13 women in uh, Alameda County in the East Bay in Cal uh, Northern California. Um, and they're a mix of survivors of human trafficking, domestic violence, and abuse. And this is the first one that I've done that is kind of co has some different um, types of traumas represented there. And I wanted to share with you co some of the things that are coming up uh, without, you know, revealing anything confidential and just share, like, to your point, there are so many different types of trauma that are that plague us, that we downplay, um, that are affecting our behavior. And 
Um, and so I'd love to kind of drill down a little bit more. So we're, we're, we're going to go on a break and then we'll come right back and we'll explore what is trauma when we come back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in the studio today with Jasmine Alexander, who is uh, specializes in EMDR. She's a psychotherapist, registered clinical counselor, and um, and is actually from Can- uh, Canada, um, practicing there in Canada, and uh, and helping others to deploy or to uh, learn and, and take away best practices around EMDR. Um, and this is something I mentioned at the at the top of the um, you know the hour. I, I mentioned that she actually graduated. Uh, from a, or studied rational emotive cognitive behavior therapy, uh, aka CBT, right? Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and and that itself has obviously been around for a very long time. And and she um, picked up um, uh, or studied there in 2011, um, which allowed her to establish a private practice and you know and and build her practice with the use of REBT in 2011. Um, but she also this is a really the focus for this this show is is the specialization in EMDR therapy, which, as she mentioned, is eye movement de- desensitization and reprocessing. And so, um, one of the things I wanted to do is kind of um, have Jasmine contrast. What is the difference between you know CBT cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy, easy for me to say, and EMDR? Um, let, let, let's discuss that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So cognitive uh, behavioral therapy or rational emotive uh, behavioral therapy are two uh, specific types of talk therapy. Um, and that's all you're doing is you're just talking. And so the therapist who's trained in either REBT or CBT, and, you know, they're, they're very quite similar. REBT was developed by Dr. Albert Ellis. Uh, CBT was developed by Dr. David Back. Um, the two of them focus on what's called cognitive restructuring. And so cognitive restructuring is helping an individual understand how their thoughts, particularly their beliefs and their core beliefs, are causing a lot of their emotional duress. Um, and so it is, um, you know, a very specific kind of therapy in that when the client begins talking uh, negatively, when they uh, you know, speak of these um, irrational beliefs that they have, the therapist points out what is the difference between a rational and irrational belief. And an irrational belief is one that just doesn't make sense. It's, it's rigid. It's not flexible. It's illogical. Whereas rational beliefs are the opposite of that. And so once the therapist points out those differences, the therapist helps the client to uh, recognize when they are engaging in irrational thinking, they teach them how to challenge those irrational thoughts, and then help them to reframe those irrational beliefs into rational ones. Now, EMDR therapy uh, is a trauma therapy. And it's not your typical talk therapy because it involves something called bilateral stimulation. Now, what we know from scientific research and particularly the research that has been done on EMDR 
and more specifically with trauma, is that when tra- when a person has been traumatized, the way trauma gets encapsulated in the brain is held in a region of the brain that is quite primitive, known as the limbic system, mm-hmm. um, otherwise known as the reptilian brain, which is a survival brain. And in that part of the brain, there is no speech or language. And so this is why trauma is so incredibly difficult to treat is because when we have been traumatized, that trauma gets locked in a part of the brain where there's no speech and language. And in order to change that trauma, we need to light up the brain. But when we're talking, as we do in talk therapy, we're lighting up a completely different part of the brain. And so this is where EMDR therapy um, and other body-focused therapies come in um, and are extremely useful for individuals who are suffering from trauma um, is because it has a focus on the memory um, and the way um, it is held in the brain. So EMDR, as I was saying, involves something called bilateral stimulation where the uh, individual is asked to focus on uh, the maladaptive memory network And then through a series of questions, the therapist will ask the client to focus on uh, the image that represents the worst part or a sensory aspect of the memory that represents the worst part, the negative belief that goes along with that particular memory, the positive belief that that client would like to have about themselves instead, um, how much they believe that positive belief about themselves when they are thinking about the memory, the emotions that they feel when they think about the memory, the subjective units of disturbance that the client feels. So on a scale from zero to 10, where zero is neutral or not upsetting or disturbing, and 10 is the most you can imagine how upsetting or disturbing is the memory to you. And then of course, where do you feel it in your body? So those are the essential questions um, that we ask a client just before we begin um, EMDR therapy phase four of the desensitization stage. Um, And then from there, we, um, as the client is thinking about and holding all of those elements that we have essentially lit up or activated in the memory network that's held in the reptilian brain, the therapist will then uh, begin to employ bilateral stimulation. Traditionally, it was with the use of eye movements, uh, where the client is then uh, instructed to move their eyes back and forth, um, you know, whether it is the therapist that is um, conducting the eye movements or the therapist is using a device to conduct the eye movements or if another modality such as kinesthetic stimulation, such as tapping um, on either side of the knees, on the back of the hands, or the client is instructed uh, to hold a device um, that... Um, produces um, the tapping in the hands, or in some cases, auditory stimulation. And so what we know from um, the research that has been done on EMDR therapy is that EMDR EMDR therapy does work, and it helps to permanently resolve um, these issues of trauma that people struggle with. Mm. So it really is a phenomenal therapy that is incredibly powerful, um, and longitudinal studies show um, that after a person has um, 
uh, received EMDR therapy um, after, uh, you know, a period of time when they go back to look at the symptoms that a client was struggling with, um, EMDR therapy has shown that those symptoms have been extinguished. Mm. And that is something that is very, very special to EMDR, uh, whereas other um, modalities like cognitive behavioral therapy, there's only a reduction so there's a difference between a reduction in symptoms versus symptoms being extinguished. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I've always struggled, even as a teenager when my mom and as a child, when my mom took me to counseling a couple of times, I was pretty troubled. And I always felt uh, this sense of I've just gone here. I've talked to you about what my feelings are about a situation. And as you highlighted, you know, really in the CBT world, you're looking at irrational Right. Irrational uh, beliefs around something that is happening to you. But what what happens when you come in and you say, I've been molested, you know, I've been raped. There's no irrational Mm -hmm. belief there. I had this thing happen to me and I keep uh, thinking about it. You know, it's like you said, it's stuck in my in my memory. It's there. It's tormenting me at night in my dreams it's uh, I have women in our homes that are that have night terrors because of all of the abuse that they've endured and they have to take these heavy duty medications. I mean, uh, Seroquel, you know, th- that knock you out and, and you can hardly yeah. get up in the morning um, be- because they cannot sleep without it. And um, and so, you know, this notion that there is a way to access that, um, you know, that part of your memory uh, in, in with some somatic movements, right? Some somatic engagement uh, coupled with, uh, it sounds like talking or being strategic about, you know, evaluating and assessing where the problem is and then going in somatically and, and, and uh, cognitively together. Am I catching that right? Am I getting that right? Um, so the difference between uh, EMDR and CBT is that during EMDR therapy, we are not coaching You're not the talking. client okay. to restructure um, any sort of belief systems that they may have. Ah. Um, and, you know, so uh, with EMDR, we really do allow um, the client's brain and nervous system um, to heal itself through the use of the bilateral stimulation. And the therapist really does stay out of the way as the therapist is... Uh, facilitating the bilateral stimulation, the eye movements, um, and then checking in with the client and asking them where they, you know, what are they noticing now um, with respect to the memory and how, um, you know, it is uh, changing and resolving itself. And so EMDR really is about lighting up a maladaptive memory network. And then the really the nervous system and the brain takes over and it helps to transmute um, that maladaptive memory network into what is called an adaptive memory network where the client is able to state that they've learned from it, um, you know, without really much uh, as a means of intervention, uh, you know, with the therapist, whereas cognitive behavioral therapy or rational emotive behavioral therapy involves the therapist, um, you know, uh, forcefully Reframing challenging yeah. a client's yeah. uh, irrational beliefs. So, so while a client may come in and state, you know, I have been molested, the therapist would then uh, begin, you know, um, 
what's called Socratic questioning, which is asking the client to talk more about what that means for them. And there's usually a core belief of, well, I'm disgusting, I'm a piece of garbage, uh, no one will ever love me again. And a cognitive behavioral therapist would state that those are irrational beliefs. Because just because an incident like that occurred to you does not mean that therefore you are then uh, you know, this statement. That's and right. So that is essentially what trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy is all about. Um, and so Jasmine, I let me just trained... interrupt you really quick. And so we're going to take a yeah. break. We're going to take a break. Um, we're going to come back. And um, I, what I want to drill down on is I want to look at Sozo, Emmanuel Prayers, Heart Sync, and Prayers and kind of mash that together with something that I feel like you've just kind of lit up for me. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We're having quite a conversation here with Jasmine. I'm learning a ton. Jasmine Alexander, who's a psychotherapist from Canada, who um, I happen to sit next to in the airplane coming to Oakland. And she is an expert in EMDR. And we're talking about the difference between CBT and EMDR. And I threw in a couple of uh, other pieces at the end there about, you know, how do you contrast really where I was going with it is how do you incorporate faith into this EMDR process and and uh, something that just occurred to me is it felt very similar without the prayer part it felt similar in terms of finding honing in on that on that uh that that experience that traumatic experience very similar to like a sozo or to heart sync or to um to Emmanuel prayers and so and I'll and I'll explain what those are in just a second and we can discuss a bit but before I do let's let's get back to to the basics here um and Jasmine can you share for us what your definition is of trauma because I think again to your earlier point it's not just about I was raped right what is trauma so I am, I am going to pull on um, a number of, uh, you know, different resources here to succinctly define trauma in layman's terms. So trauma is anything that we personally find to be upsetting, disturbing, overwhelming, or threatening. Trauma really is all about one's subjective experience. Um, and this is very true because you may have two individuals um, in a very, very upsetting situation, yet one person may develop PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, while the other may not. Um, and so, you know, trauma is all about one subjective experience. Um, and it also has to do with um, the level of resources, both internal resources that a client has and external resources. You know, does the client have a social support system and network, etc.? So Dr. Francine Shapiro, in her early days when she was developing EMDR therapy, um, defined uh, that there are two different kinds of traumas that one can experience. Um, and so she states this in her textbook, and I'm going to do my best um, you know, to uh, restate what she had spoken about. Okay. But she had talked about something called small T trauma and then big T trauma. 
So small T trauma has to do with events that most people would, you know, essentially dismiss and say, oh, that's not upsetting, but it is to us and it is to the person. So examples of small T traumas um, would be things like uh, being bullied or gossiped or teased about in school. Mm-hmm. being singled out in front of a group of friends um, or being uh, humiliated by the classroom teacher, mm-hmm. uh, being shamed for wetting your bed at night, uh, being chased by vicious dogs, having head lice, scabies, chicken pox, hand, foot, and mouth disease, you know, those typical childhood diseases, and then yeah. being ostracized for it, um, not being played with, uh, you know, with your parents when you reach out for them. Um, being rejected when you tur- you know, reach out for a hug to be comforted because you're lonely or sad. Uh, you know, so these are all the typical kinds of small T traumas that many of us, in fact, perhaps all of us experience at some point in our life. And they are essentially wounds that occur in our psyche. Um, And what we know over time is that with these chronic small T traumas, they accumulate. They do cause neurobiological changes in the brain, which is really, you know, quite amazing. Mm. Um, Not in a good way, though. Um, So small T traumas um, in that sense are quite insidious. Mm. Um, And they can and really do affect um, an individual. Uh, Small T traumas occur in childhood, um, and once they occur, uh, people carry them throughout their lives. And then uh, the way they behave, the way they think, um, all goes back to that neurobiological change that was caused by that uh, particular uh, small T trauma. Now, big T traumas, on the other hand, have to do with events that most people would agree and say, yes, this is traumatic. Um, Specifically, uh, big T traumas um, would meet uh, what we call criterion A uh, in the DSM-5, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Um, And criterion A uh, is defined as exposure to actual or threatened death serious injury or sexual violence in one or more of the following ways, directly experiencing the traumatic event, witnessing in person the event as it occurred to others, learning that the traumatic event occurred to a close family member or friend, um, and experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to adverse details of the traumatic event, so such as a first responder collecting, uh, you know, human remains, police officers repeatedly being exposed to the details of child abuse. Um, And so that is what is defined as criterion A, um, you know, for big T uh, traumas. So big T traumas, um, again, would be events that people would not, uh, sorry, that people would agree and say, yes, this is traumatic. So these are the events like being raped, molested, or assaulted, being involved in horrific car accidents, witnessing horrific things, being held at gunpoint or knife point, uh, being involved in natural disasters, um, you know, going off to war. Uh, But what we've learned, at least what I have learned and what many of my colleagues have learned in our clinical work with clients, is that one can be traumatized without having actually experienced the trauma. Mm -hmm. There are a number of individuals, uh, you know, in North America and worldwide who are absolutely traumatized by the images of 9-11. 
And so I have worked with clients who were five years old at the time who saw the horrific images of the planes crashing into the Twin Towers, uh, September the 11th of 2001, and they were absolutely traumatized by it. And mm. in some cases, some of these clients had full-blown PTSD. Yeah. And so how is it possible that these individuals uh, could be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, yet they were not in New York City in real time when these events were taking place? Yeah. So these are some of the weaknesses, um, you know, with uh, that criterion of uh, diagnosing one with post-traumatic stress disorder is that one does not necessarily need to have, you know, exposure to in person to a traumatic event. Um, And that, in fact, many other, uh, many of these small T events that I had referred to earlier um, can, in fact, um, you know, create, uh, you know, know, a, a tremendous amount of stress in an individual. So I do think it is important that I highlight those points, um, you know, to help people understand uh, that we are all wounded and traumatized individuals, some of us more than others. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I love that you drilled down into that because I think that it is there where we can we have um, can have empathy for one another. Um, you know, and, and sometimes we tend to, like, I, I had one young lady who was a, who's a survivor in our, uh, survivor leader in our organization. And she had been exploited, I think for a month or two. Um, and she said to me, I feel so fake sharing my testimony when some of these young ladies have been exploited for years, you know, average number of average lifespan of a person that's being exploited is seven years. And mm-hmm. um, the average age, according to the DOJ of point of entry is 12 to 14. So, you know, a lot and, and many, many people who are adults that live um, beyond 21, uh, you know, will they just, you know, they're just carrying on with that tr- trauma after trauma, right? Every, I mean, it's just compounding, you know, compounded trauma and and uh, complex, right? Um, very, yeah. very deep seated. And so she's often felt, you know, like, uh, I just really don't have the right to speak on this. And I've encouraged her, you know, honey, <laughs> you know, everything that you've been through, um, I care about. You know, me personally, I want to know about it. And um, whether it's watching the, uh, you know, the Twin Towers come crumbling down or it's being bullied in school or it's, um, you know, being trafficked, um, you know, we're called to care about that, um, uh, those those feelings, right? Those um, unprocessed, undealt with feelings. Why? Because they're keeping us from living our best life where they're keeping us from, um, uh, you know, living a healthy life. So we're going to take a break. Um, I want to come back and kind of share a little bit about what Sozo is and HeartSync and Emmanuel Prayer just for the listening audience so people know what that is. And again, the correlation that I see is just the honing in on um, these these places that of where we were harmed, where we were traumatized and um, whether it's... Um, by way of, you know, this, this, um, I, I forget what you called it, the auditory stimulation, or it's a guided Bilateral prayer. Stimulation, yeah. Yes. But it, whether it's one of those scenarios, I wonder if uh, we're, we're coming to a similar place in the brain, where we're really um, 
uh, focusing on a deeper level of healing. So let's let's uh, let's explore that. Just just a discussion, and uh, definitely uh, love the um, the things that I'm learning. Hopefully, you are learning quite a bit out there. And we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Again, we're in the studio today with Jasmine Alexander, who is a psychotherapist from Canada who specializes in EMDR. And she is sharing with us, uh, we're contrasting different uh, approaches to uh, uh, address the issue of uh, trauma, address trauma. And uh, for us, obviously, at Love Never Fails, we're interested in um, addressing the trauma of human trafficking and oftentimes the underlying traumas that led to that being in living in, in poverty or, you know, being neglected, abused in some way. Um, that oftentimes made a person vulnerable to trafficking in the in the first place. And so um, as we think about that, I wanted to just share with the listening audience, um, there is this approach uh, that's called sozo. A sozo prayer is a Greek word. Uh, sozo is a Greek word for save or deliver. And it is defined as a unique inner healing and deliverance ministry, which is aimed at uh, getting to the root of the things hindering your personal connection with with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, it's um, definitely it's a focus for Bethel Church in Reading. Um, and according to this article, I don't know, I haven't verified this, but uh, it was uh, supposed to be um, originally um, uh, thought of or founded by Toronto Blessing and New Apostolic Reformation. Although when I've read up on both of those um, groups, it seems like there's some some um, challenge there with them. So I, I'm not sure, you know, what the what the background is. But what I can say is. Uh, the people that I know that are involved with the Sozo movement um, are d- basing everything they're doing on the word. And um, and so what they do, this is I just want to kind of describe it, is they um, they it requires the presence of a mediator or a guide who's trained to walk through a time of prayer and reflection uh, with with us, the Sozi. So uh, Sozoe rather. And what they do is um, they the facilitator guides the the sozoe through an ascent of the father's ladder in which it, they are encouraged to visualize God and speak to the image of the Lord created in the mind's eye. And um, and 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 then they go through these doors into one's life and they close them and heal them by the blood of Jesus. And it's. um uh, when the door is closed, the wall is demolished. The sozo e is is um, it gives a single clap of the hands, which helps disengage that lie 
that has taken root over their mind. So as you can see, this is a process, right, that people are being trained in. And uh, there is a there is a training camp um, that, you know, is teaching people about Sozo. Heart Sync is a little bit different where it's more clinically based. Again, it's kind of wrapped from what I, I actually went to Heart Sync training. And what I got from it is that um, there are these almost like with DID, a kind of a, it, it seems structured around this notion that our body, our, our identities are fractured in some way. And so through this sinking process, we, um, we um, bring them together so that we're whole and we're one. And the Emmanuel prayer um, is, is it has a similar approach in that it's a guided, supportive prayer um, over those traumatic, tra- traumatic areas in our life. And so I'm curious. So I think you said you, you have an, you don't have any experience with either of those um, approaches or any of those approaches, right, Jasmine? No, I don't, Vanessa. I'm not okay. familiar with them. But just, you know, I've heard from uh, many people that they've experienced some healing in going through the, these, the, you know, these processes, namely because they're spending time getting to a thing, right, that is very, is held deeply, locked, be, you know, locked behind doors. And, and actually, it's funny because, as I mentioned earlier, I have this book, and the book is based on Celebrate Recovery's 12-step recovery program. And there's, you know, we, we go into step four, which is where a person does an inventory. And they inventory all these resentments and these hurts. And then they bring in an accountability partner or a sponsor who just prays with them over those things. So it's not nearly as clinically detailed here as what you're describing or as the Sozos Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's really more about having a supportive, loving person to release um, some of your hurts, habits, or hangups too, specifically around having been abused, been in a domestic violence situation, or having been trafficked. And so um, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts when you think about what I've just described and some of the things that you're doing? Where do you see, um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, healing is subjective in some ways, but how do you see EMDR kind of aligning or contrasting with the, the kind of the, ex- the experiences and the, the formats I just described? I think that, you know, that's a great question. And regardless of the technique, therapeutic technique or religious technique that is used, the common denominator is having an empathic, attuned uh, human being right there with you Mm. um, who is going to be assisting you. Uh, on your journey of healing. And, you know, studies have shown that regardless of what technique is used, whether it's REBT, you know, uh, EMDR, um, you know, I'm not sure about prayer, um, but, you know, in the clinical world, regardless of the technique that is used, um, the the common denominator that promotes change uh, is a therapeutic relationship. Mm. And so when you have uh, another human being that's there that is attuned to you, that is validating your experience, that is mirroring what is going on for you, 
that is able to provide you with compassion and understanding, um, that is what is going to resonate the most for the individual. Yeah. Um, and I think, and uh, you know, even in my clinical work, um, I have I have had many many clients come to me uh, who had worked with other therapists who cannot work with other therapists. And one thing they find about the clinical work that I offer them is the therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. that I will be attuned to them and I will validate their experience and they feel safe with me. They they feel emotionally safe. And I think that really is the key um, to one's healing is that when you're with another human being and because we are social creatures and I do believe that um, we need the presence of a loving, empathic human being to assist us in our healing. Um, that when we have that loving, empathic human being right there with us, that can help regulate us, that gives us the strength and the power to move forward, um, that uh, miracles can happen. Yes. And I do believe that anything is possible uh, with God. Yes, yes. And I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm so glad you said that because um, there are so many things, uh, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I, I clearly don't know it all. I, you know, I, I'm not God. I, I, I you know, I, I don't understand why many things are the way they are. But I, I just think that giving space for people who are really committed, like you said, to to a, a person, right, to being empathetic to that person and to understanding the way the body works, right, the physiological mm-hmm. construction of our bodies and not being afraid of that. Um, and at the same time, knowing that, um, you know, anything is possible, like you said, with God and and the power in uh, having all three um, interconnect, it, you know, being open to a person, a loving, safe person coming alongside us. And at the same time, being open to a loving God um, to be and, and believing that it's possible for him to perform miracles in our lives. And at the same time, being open to um, what, you know, what we know, right, what we've learned uh, about the way the body works and the way the brain is constructed. It's fascinating to me. And uh, I just I just think it's so cool to uh, be able to kind of discuss this with you. I did want to um, just um, uh, share with anyone. I'd love your feedback. Uh, those of you who are, are starting to read the book, um, you can uh, purchase a copy of the book on our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com forward slash shop. Um, and uh, the 12 step study guide called Fight for Love. And there is a video accompaniment. I love your feedback. Um, I'm really in the beginning stages of rolling this book out. And I really want it to, again, help you. I use the 12 step, uh, I use the foundation of the 12 step program that Celebrate Recovery provides because it helped me process through my traumas. Um, and then um, obviously the one who helped me the most is Jesus and praying to him. And uh, this was just just a format and a structure that helped me guide me personally. And so that's what I've used to uh, create the book and really grateful to be able to do that. When we come back, we're going to um, hear some more from Jasmine about ways that we can connect with her, her practice, support her um, websites, events, things that are going on in Canada that we might not know about. So we're going to come right back, listen in, and thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. 
Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Again, thank you so much, Jasmine, for being on with us. Uh, So appreciate the work you do and the insight you've shared. Um, How can people get in touch with you or reach out to you to help them with their EMDR best practices? Uh, they can, well, first of all, they can go to my website, www.jasminealexander.ca, um, and they'll, all my contact information is on my website if they would like to reach me via phone or send me an email. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, do reach out to Jasmine, um, and pick her brain. She's got, she's just a wealth of knowledge, as you can tell. Um, other events we have going on in the community, we have, um, the Love My Community City, uh, Love My City, rather, community prayer, uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Uh, join us. It's a monthly community prayer team. Usually about six o'clock, we go out in different cities all over the Bay Area. Our, our desire is to do it across the, the, the globe. And uh, you can reach out to Chantel and let her know you're doing that at prayer at loveneverfailsus.com. We are going to be speaking at the Pleasanton Lions Club, 6.30 p.m. on the 9th. That's in Pleasanton on Main Street. We're also going to be at the KFAX Pastor Lunch on the 11th of October. And I'll be speaking on the 19th and 20th at the Serendipity Women's Conference in Fairfield at the Hilton Garden Inn. And uh, lastly, join us for on the 20th of October, 7 p.m. to midnight. We're doing our street outreach. You don't want to miss that. Um, and just keep Oakland in prayer. Uh, they've really been uh, the city has been on my heart asking for you to pray, 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 worship the Lord and pray for the city of Oakland and the and the things that are going on there. Lots of homelessness and exploitation. Uh, lastly, if you haven't heard it before, I want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.